Well, good morning. Thanks for uh, being a part of that. If you're brand new here, we don't do that every week, but sometimes just for fun, it's nice to know who you're worshiping with and who's gathering in the name of God with you. Um, uh, I got a couple stories to tell this morning. So uh, to begin with, um, <clears throat> how many football fans? I know it's not football season. Okay, we're going to call an audible. Okay, not, not this morning, but in our prayer room, we're calling an audible. Prayer room audible, all right? For 50 days, we've committed to praying day and night, night and day, 24-7 in this room uh, for, for 50 days. And we're not going to change that. The goal is still the same. Pray 50 days, every hour, all the time. But there's a little bit, the play changes a little bit. <clears throat> so let me tell you the story. About uh, three months ago, a group of people gathered in my living room, 46037, and, um, and uh, we were praying and talking about the prayer room. God, what do you want to do this year? What's the theme this year? What, you know, what, what's this supposed to look like? And um, I told everyone when I came in, I, I came with an agenda because I knew I was going to do a, a series on the kingdom, so I just wanted it to be king and kingdom. I set it up, but I said, oh, but don't let me you know, sway you in any way. Because as we prayed, all the people in the room started getting these images and pictures, and they were all things related to a cloud, okay? Sort of like the cloud, you know, the glory of God descending, and a cloud moving, and all this cloud things. And um, I'm just being authentic here. Um, I thought to myself, no one's going to understand a cloud, we got to go with king and kingdom, because that's what God said. I know that's what we're supposed to do. So you'll notice that the title of the series and the name of the prayer room is King and Kingdom. <clears throat> Hang out with the king, extend the kingdom. Well, I, I think the cloud has emerged. And um, here's, here's what I'm sensing, that as we've been praying and speaking, there has been a very clear um, sense, word, instruction from God that he's moving us. He's moving us. I don't mean physical location. Um, I, I don't mean big changes other than God's not calling us to look inward completely. He's positioned us to look outward. And so the idea that in the Old Testament when the Israelites couldn't hear God's voice, what they saw... <laughs> Bless those kids. They're probably going out safely. Um, they couldn't hear God's voice. They knew where God was because they saw the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. And the cloud was the thing that moved them and pushed them. And when the cloud moved, they moved, whether they felt like it or not. They did what the cloud determined because the cloud was the presence of God. So a lot of people that have been praying in the prayer room, and it's been beautiful back there, but for those who kind of are sensory spiritually, I'm not really one of those. They kind of have this sense, you know, when I'm in the room, it's good, but I really feel the presence of the Lord when I walk out into the sanctuary. And some have been bold enough to say, I really feel it when I walk outside the building. And um, so, you know, I'm hearing that and I'm thinking, you just have a cloud agenda. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so yesterday, um, there was a, a, a prayer time here, six to seven, and there were a bunch of men, probably some women too, I don't know, working here in the building, just getting it spruced up, using their gifts and talents. And um, at some point in the morning, the front door came off its hinges. 
right after they were worshiping the names of God, judge, I think it was, the front door came off its hinges. Okay, if anyone's responsible for that, we've got a bill to deal with. But um, the front door just came off its hinges. And Jane comes home, she says, the the front door fell off. And I'm like, what do you mean? The front door is off its hinges, you know? And so I'm processing all this. And as Jane and I were praying, and we confirmed with some other people, you know what? God's moving us out. He loves us. God is so pleased with our desire to pray 24-7, to be in his house, to be in the, the temple, you know? But we're gonna, we, place we're going to go this morning is we are the temple. So the presence of God moves with us. And we're not just called to come into the church. We're actually called to be the church. So we're, we're called to go out. So uh, we're making a slight change in the prayer room, and we want to keep the integrity of it and the community of it. But what we're going to give you a chance to do is pray as outposts of the kingdom. Pray as outposts of the kingdom. So if you see a time open for prayer, or if there's just a time you want to pray on your lunch hour, before you go to work, when, you know, the, whoever's got the 12 to 7 shift, um, you want to pray in your neighborhood, the time when you go to exercise wherever you are, we're going to have post-its out there so that you can indicate that you are an outpost of the kingdom. You're going to post your outpost on the time that you want to pray. Put your phone number there so we know you're praying there. Um, so we will have the ability now to not just be a part of it in the building, but to pray out because we're outposts. God's taking our doors off. Jane said, if you don't change this, God might cave the ceiling in. <laughs> so we're out of here. The church has left the building. Um, and so th- that's what's going to happen during the day. So we still want to fill all the slots. We still want people in the daytime praying here. Fill them up. If you haven't been in the prayer room, get in the prayer room. Come into the sanctuary. Pray around the building. But uh, if you want to pray out, get, you know, sign up to be an outpost prayer for the next four, uh, three weeks, we, four weeks. We've got four weeks left. Now, 12 p.m. midnight to 6 a.m. has been a difficult time for some of us. And we want people to be safe. So here's what we're going to say. 12 to 6, outpost prayer only. 12 to 6, my wife's coaching me, but she doesn't know that I actually know what's coming next. It's very rare that I know that, but I do. (laughs) Outpost prayer only. So from 12 to 6, we're going to ask you to pray at home, to be at home. Now, just so you're free, if you want to get up at 3 in the morning and pray, do it. But we want you to be praying. We want those hours covered, okay, wherever you are. If you long to pray here in the prayer room, like the person who was here from 12 to 5 this morning, who just loves to be in the presence of God here, let us know. Call the on-call person. They're all listed on the sheet out there. You call the on-call person one day ahead of time. Say, I want to pray in the building. I'll pray out on the way in, and I'll pray in on the way out, but I want to pray while I'm in, Okay. So here's the change. You can pray anywhere you want. Sign up, get a post-it note, and stick it on there. We still want to fill all the hours. 12 to 6, essentially, we're praying at home. Unless you're a diehard and you're longing to be here, and you know God's called you here, then check with an on-call person. Their phone number's there, and let them know. How did I do? I did a good job. (laughs) What's she going to say now, right? (laughs) Okay, all clear? We are outposts of the kingdom. We don't just come in to pray. We also go out to pray. We pray on-site with insight everywhere we go. I mean, you know the people that God's called you to out there. You know the neighborhoods. You now know some of the zip codes. 
that you've been planted in. Let's pray for them, and then let's be the answer to our own prayers out there. Okay. That was just the intro. So let me give you a little recap of the series that we're in, which is called For King and Kingdom. As we follow the cloud. The kingdom of God is the central theme of the ministry of Jesus. You, you look all through the Gospels and you see the kingdom of God is Jesus' main message. He declares the message of the kingdom. That's the rule and the reign of God. And he demonstrates the message of the kingdom. In other words, God rules and reigns over your physical body, over your demonic issues, over your relationships, over life and death. Jesus declared the kingdom and he demonstrated the kingdom. That was his whole life mission. <clears throat> a couple of weeks into the series, I just wanted to make sure we weren't worshiping the kingdom. And I said, remember, the kingdom means there is a king. It's all about Jesus. He is a perfect king. He's a worthy king. He's a powerful king. He's a holy king. But he's an intimate king. He's a king that wants to be close to us. He's a king that loves us and is worthy of all our praise. The king, Jesus, is always at work. And his kingdom, where he rules and he reigns, is always expanding. Here's the great thing. Because we are in the kingdom, members of the kingdom, entrusted with the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, wherever we live, the, king, the way the kingdom expands is in us. That's as our lives become more righteous and holy, like Jesus, and then through us. The kingdom expands through us. Merlin, sitting right here, wrote a book called The Kingdom in Our Midst. I mean, the whole point of the book is, you know, the kingdom is here. It's everywhere we go. It's not just at 8383 Craig. You know, it's across the street. It's in flipping 4-6 Canada. <laughs> the kingdom is there in Danville, in Greenwood, in every school that we go to, in every place that we travel. So that's the, the message of the king, and the king goes through us. And so last week, we saw the disciples taking the message in Luke 9 and 10. We saw Jesus taking the message of the kingdom in Luke 24. Remember the road to Emmaus? And we saw the early church in Acts 2 demonstrating and proclaiming the kingdom. And as they were together and ate together and prayed and worshipped and served one another and gave, then God added to the kingdom daily those who were being saved. This week, I want to read a story from uh, the life of the Apostle Paul, and we want to see Paul and his proclamation of the kingdom. Paul understood we're outposts of the kingdom. Everywhere the Apostle Paul went, the kingdom of God went, because the kingdom was within, within him, and it's the same for us. So uh, before I read the scripture, this is Acts 17. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts 17. We'll start in verse 22, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So as you're getting there, let's just pray. Father, as we read this, your word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and preserved for us these thousands of years in perfect, inerrant form, God, open our eyes to see eternal truth. Open our minds to have understanding and revelation. And Lord, I ask that you'd give us grace and faith to actually walk out and live out the truth that's revealed to us this day. We can only do it in your power for the sake of Jesus. Amen. 
So I'm going to read from uh, Acts chapter 17, the story from the Apostle Paul. And he's in a city called Athens. And uh, it's a relatively long story. And I'll just I warn you, sit back, listen. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. And then I'm going to read it in a new paraphrase. It's called the Stephen Randall Gooder 2014 Regional Transformation Paraphrase. So I want you to be ready for that. Okay. Acts 17, this is the word of God. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, We want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. This is the word of the Lord. So now I want to give you the the Stephen Randall Gooder 2014 Regional Transformation Paraphrase, all right? This is not the word of God. This is my understanding of what this scripture might look like in Indianapolis in 2014. I'm I'm going to address it to men because Paul addressed men and just between me and the 120 of us, I think men are crucial to to the ongoing work of the kingdom. I mean, we got to hear it. If the men will stand up, I think the women will follow. I'm just putting it out there. But women, this applies to you too, okay? I just couldn't do it both ways, all right? This is to the men. This is the paraphrase. So you've got to be with me here, okay? So, insert name, okay? Insert your name, Randall, Carrie, Joy. Insert your name right there. So, insert name, standing before the men he works out with at the Y, Address them as follows. Men of Indianapolis, I notice that you're very religious in every way. 
For as I was walking today, I saw your cult paraphernalia, <laughs> your cars, your clothes, your yards and houses. I saw the longing for value and significance, the desperate striving to show everyone how little you care what they think of you while clawing for attention based on what you like, what you do, what you own, or what you control. I see the way you look at and treat women and even what you do and you think in private. I see sometimes visibly and sometimes just in my own spirit the depression, anxiety, and despair prevalent among you. For one of your cars had this inscription on it, life sucks and then you die. And one of your own poets has said, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, these are the gods you worship without knowing, but I'm talking about a different God. He's the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in church buildings or skyscrapers or strip malls. And human hands can't serve his needs because he doesn't need anything. He's the one who gives life and breath to everything. And when you are purely satisfied for a moment in this life, that provision itself comes from God, whether you acknowledge it or recognize it or not. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined the exact times and the places that each one of you would live. His purpose was for the nations and the states and the cities and the towns and the subdivisions and the apartment complexes and the college dorms and the houses and every soul dwelling in them to seek after God and maybe feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. In fact, insert name said, he lives in me. For it is in him that we live and move and exist. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as some idol designed by a Fortune 500 company, a trendy entrepreneur, a slick marketing firm, or even a well-meaning church. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone, yeah, even you, everywhere, yeah, even here at the YMCA, to repent of their sins. It's no shame to admit that you're imperfect. We all are, and God knows it. And so he urges you, longs for you to turn to him. You know, he has set a day for judging the world and every person he's created within it. Don't worry. He will judge the world with justice by the man, the one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. Yes, that one man he's appointed has the right and the authority to judge, to forgive, and to deliver anyone who turns to him in humble trust. He proved this all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard, insert name, speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed, some rolled their eyes, some made sarcastic jokes, or just walked away. But others said, this is awesome. Could we talk more about this later? And that ended 
insert names, discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were, insert name of that man or woman that you've been praying for. A member of the Y. And a woman named, insert name. And others from every nook and cranny of greater Indianapolis with them. That's how I think Paul might have written to the people of Indianapolis. Because we've been called as outposts of the kingdom. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given the message of the kingdom. We get to declare it. We get to demonstrate it. And let's just be honest about it. The kingdom will not go forward except through us. There's a famous... Thanks, Beth. Appreciate that. There's a relatively famous uh, pastor and teacher and leader, and I respect him in so many ways, but I severely disagree with him on one point. He's gone around for the last 25 years saying, the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. And I know what he means. What he means is we've got to step up and do our part. But the fact is, the church is not the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. The way the world gets the hope is because Jesus lives in us. The hope of the world is Jesus. He lives in you and he wants to move out into the city. He wants to go every place you are. We're talking about the creator of all things. He doesn't live in man-made temples. He lives in God-made temples. He lives in you. You know, they say that uh, most preachers only have one or two, maybe three sermons. I think this is one of mine. God lives in us, and everywhere we go, he goes. We're his spokespeople. We're his hands. We're his feet. We're his, we're his loved ones. We're his, his victory and his prize out there. We're, all, we're also his martyrs and his perseverers. All of our life comes from him, and God determined, God himself determined that you would live in that house that you live in, Some of you are thinking, praise God. Some of you are thinking, God, couldn't you have picked a better made house? Couldn't you have picked a better neighborhood? I'm not saying it's against God's will to move. I'm just saying where you are, God has you. He's placed you there. And he's placed you there for a reason. Because people around you are seeking God. And though we can pray that people will have dreams and visions and revelations and, you know, walk into a hotel room and pick up the Gideon's Bible, and I've heard all those stories. I believe in them. But the primary way that God reveals his kingdom and his message is through you and through me. Not primarily in this building, but in all of those buildings and in those shopping malls and in those schools and those fast food restaurants and those gas stations and those long lines at the Comcast store. And that's where God reveals the kingdom. Remember, Jesus sent the disciples from last week to the places that he himself was going to visit. They were on assignment. Remember that Jesus instructed them, look for the person of peace. Look for that person. You know, you see a little bit of eternity just creeping out of their unsaved soul because they were on an assignment. He said, once you find him, stay there because you're on assignment. Remember, Jesus himself walked with very patiently walked with despairing and angry and sarcastic people who made fun of him as the doofus of the town. He walked with them. Why? Because Jesus was on assignment. 
Remember that God has set eternity in the hearts of every man and woman he created. Eternity's echo sounds in them as it sounds in you. So every person out there has the the same desire to be completely known as you do. And every person out there has the same desire to be completely accepted as you do. And every person out there has the desire to be, you know, completely unconditionally loved just like you do. And we carry that. We carry that unconditional love. We carry that acceptance. We carry that power everywhere we go. So why do we have to pray? (laughs) Because mission issues from the heart of God, not from the power of man. The mission of God is propelled by God. We can't make it happen. But God invited us into a partnership. You talk to me. You have relationship with me. You talk to me about the people that you love and the people that you hate, and I'll do the work in them. So we've got to pray. And some of you are saying, well, if we can pray, then why do we have to go? (laughs) Why do we have to go? Why do we have to declare the kingdom? Why do we have to demonstrate the kingdom? It's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. It's so countercultural. Because God has chosen to reveal his kingdom through the ones he's redeemed. He's got a plan. He wants to do it through us. I don't know if he'll do it if we don't talk to him about it in prayer. But I'm also not certain he'll do it if we don't go to be the answer to our own prayers. We're outposts of the kingdom. God's placed us where he himself has determined and each and every one of us is on assignment. The question this week as we pray is, what is our assignment? What is your assignment? You know, don't you wish it it was as easy as... uh, 1980s, you know, Highway to Heaven, and Michael Landon would just show up, if you're familiar with it. And he would just say, here's where we're going, right? Well, maybe it is that easy. Maybe we we, we walk around with our eyes open. You know, maybe we walk around with our hearts open. Maybe we walk around with uh, uncommon valor. Maybe we walk around with the idea that when it comes into our heart or our mind, we say yes rather than no. We say now rather than later. Why don't you stand and let's pray. I've already been unconventional, so what's one other thing? Why don't you turn around (laughs) and look out. If you're by the windows, can you open those uh, shades for us so we can see out? Some of you just see walls. Some of you see the sound text. Some of you see the cross. And as we pray, let's just look out. Father, we want to recognize that today we're outposts of the kingdom. That we've been called and assigned to very specific places, to very specific people groups, to very specific demographics, to very specific subcultures that no one else in this room can find their way into. And God, you've anointed us with the Holy Spirit. And you've given us power and you've filled us with love. And so now we ask in the name of Jesus, not just that we would be great prayers, though we ask to have intimate relationship with you. We ask, Lord, that we would be good outposts. That we would walk into the world being sent with strength and courage, filled with the Holy Spirit and the joy of Jesus himself. 
so that Indianapolis will know there is a Savior who lives and reigns, whose kingdom is forever. In Jesus' name, amen.